Welcome to SI's Planet Football Podcast, where each week we discuss the latest in the world of soccer. I am SI.com soccer editor, Avi Creditor, joined today by SI.com's Brian Strauss and SI.com's Leave You Bird. Grant Wall is on a well-deserved vacation after six weeks in Canada, which I think with the exchange rate is actually like three months. Uh, so Grant will be back next week. Guys, I want to... <laughs> Jump into some some Gold Cup talk, and then then we'll touch on a little bit of the uh, the MLS All Star, what have you, uh, with with Frank Lampard is, and Stephen. Is, is three days in Frisco the same as six weeks in Canada? Uh, it's yeah. I gotta check the latest. I want uh, you to check with HR on that. The, the latest conversion rate. Thank you. <laughs> uh, guys, the Gold Cup is is into the knockout stage now. The quarterfinals are all sealed. We're taping this. Uh, I don't know, about 12 hours after Mexico and Trinidad and Tobago played one of the wildest games you'll see, 4-4 final. Uh, Jovan Jones delivers a corner kick with bottles ringing from the crowds and lasers in his eyes uh, at the death, and and Trinidad-Tobago ties that game, wins their group. Mexico finishes second. It's been a a little bit of a bizarre group stage. Uh, Cuba, with a negative seven goal differential, goes to to the knockout stage. Haiti's in the knockout stage. Honduras is out. Panama barely through. Uh, Brian, you've, you've been following the U S what do you make of, of this so far? And when you look at the U S's draw, all things considered, it's, it's kind of a, a straight shot to the final. Um, I, I, I called it the Caribbean cruise. It's probably not very funny, but I, I saw it. I don't know it. I like that. I, I like I, that. It was good. It's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, we, we, when you follow, um, you're with the national team, and so it's just one of those deals where you know you're kind of focused on what the U.S. is doing and all the the ins and outs uh, with with how Jurgen's bringing the team through the group. Um, and and it was only after the the Panama game that I sort of really started kind of looking at the other results and the other standings, and 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 obviously watching the Mexico Trinidad game last night, which thank God I wasn't covering. I mean, imagine writing that story on deadline; you'd shoot yourself. <laughs> um, and uh, and it puts the it puts the U.S. you know quote unquote struggles in a bit of perspective, doesn't it? Um, you know, compared to Mexico, compared to Panama, Costa Rica, Central American teams went winless in the group stage. That's like almost impossible to do. That's outrageous. And it's baffling. Five of them, right? And and none of them won a game. Um, several of them tying each other. And and, and so. Um, all the things that Jurgen and the players said to us during the course of the group stage, uh, there, there turned out to be a lot of truth to that. It wasn't lip service. It, it, they certainly weren't making excuses. They all acknowledged they could play better. They all acknowledged that, you know, rhythm, you know, with the ball, especially finding the right combinations, finding the right cover. It, it just wasn't there yet. But when you look at how these group games go, to a man, they said they're tough. They're gritty. These teams grind against you. They're very familiar with you. They know all your strengths and weaknesses. There are no surprises. They defend. They defend with four, five, six guys at all times. Clog the lanes. Make things difficult. They're physical. They'll foul you hard. And these things can make for tight games. These are things that that level the playing field between more talented teams and teams that maybe have a little bit less to offer. And we saw that in all the groups, not just the U.S. group. And so when you look at the way this tournament has unfolded, the U.S. has to feel pretty good about itself, you know, going 2-0-1 and and then being in a bracket with uh, with really small countries that it should be. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, look, Jamaica's played well, so I think that could be an interesting semifinal uh, if they 
both advance. But then you look at the other side of the bracket, and it's Mexico against Costa Rica in the quarterfinals, which I think we all would have thought would have been a semifinal matchup. And then Panama's on that side too, and Panama was in the final last time. And, and like you said, you know, the familiarity between these teams, uh, they're not a pushover, even though they haven't really played all that well. I mean, they, they know what it takes to beat these teams. I think Trinidad and Tobago coach Stephen Hart last night uh, kind of echoed what a lot of the U.S. players said about Mexico after they won in Azteca, that like the the mystique is is gone. They know they can play with Mexico. They know they 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 can take it to them and and you know be on the same playing field with them. So it's it'll be interesting to see what happens. Leave you just touching on that the familiarity and and the struggles relatively anyway that the USA and Mexico have had. It it hasn't been the the cakewalk that I think maybe fans of both uh, teams would have expected. Yeah, certainly. I mean, you know, I'm I'm a, a guy who likes to think tactically, and so I was looking at uh, Mexico the first two games playing that four four two, and then you know the last game uh, Miguel Herrera comes out in that five three two we're used to seeing in the World Cup, and I'm thinking, oh, maybe this will will uh, have some sort of positive effect. You know, Mexico goes up two nil and ends up you know drawing that wild game, and uh, you know to a certain extent i think and i don't know how much this marginalizes what i do but to a certain extent in, within confederations tactical considerations sometimes just go out the window i mean when you're playing against like brian said when you're playing against teams that know you so intimately and against teams that you know you know what you're going to what you're going to get from them and they know what they're going to get from you i mean there, there's really there's no surprises there's no there's no lack of familiarity and and it's really if you look at across the the confederations it's like this everywhere i mean we get results like you know peru uh doing so well at copa america venezuela last time at copa america and and you know venezuela beating colombia and, and colombia getting third place in the group this time uh you look over in the european qualifiers for for the euro in next year and you've got you know, uh, Slovakia is ahead of Spain and Ukraine in that group. And, and you get, uh, you know, Germany with their early struggles in, in their group. And then you have uh, my personal favorite group where Romania is on top um, and Greece is at the bottom. It's it's kind of, you know, there's some, some weird stuff that goes on when you get teams that play each other within confederations that, I mean, again, Iceland on top of the group ahead of the Czech Republic and the Netherlands. It's just when you play within confederations, a lot of the the normal considerations of head to head matchups and you know tactical tactical matchups and and managerial battles to a certain extent it kind of goes out the window and you're just thinking all right you know it's going to be a passionate affair most of the time it's going to be you know uh, a lot of a lot of tackles flying especially in Concacaf some interesting refereeing and uh, you kind of just have to to come ahead in that battle of attrition and I think the changes that Klinsman has made to the roster coming into the, the knockout stage, bringing in guys like Marcus Beasley and Joe Corona, who have real experience in uh, you know, the, the real trenches of CONCACAF play, I think will help moving forward. Yeah, and let's, let's keep touching on those changes. Brian, Josie Altador was a guy who uh, was, was part of those. He's out uh, for the knockout stage. Did that surprise you at all? I mean, Klinsman really hasn't shown that he's... Uh, he doesn't give preferential treatment to the the so-called stars, right? Obviously, we we know that. Um, but was it surprising to you to see Josie not make it into the to the knockout stage? It certainly would have been if you'd listened to Jurgen. Um, you know, he he sort of kept saying that Josie would would get to where he needed to be, that Josie had a future to play in the tournament, that there were there were goals there for Josie to be had later in the Gold Cup. 
Um, and, and so, you know, you, you sort of hang on, well, if you hang on, on Jurgen's positivity and, and, you know, I don't know, grandstanding a bit. Yeah. It's a surprise. But when you watched him play, he, he clearly wasn't, he clearly wasn't right. He clearly wasn't himself. He was involved in, 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 uh, the first goal against Honduras. He took that shot that Dempsey was able to convert on the rebound, but, um, but otherwise just didn't have an impact uh, clearly isn't at full speed. And, and then when he did not start uh, the final game against Panama, I think that was uh, the writing on the wall right there. So, so no, not a surprise. Um, you know, obviously Morales and Garza also, uh, also on their way out. I think Jurgen has deserved some credit for uh, the way he's managed these three games. Um, he's made changes during each. Now, maybe he didn't get it exactly right at the whistle, but He's made changes during each game that have helped the team. You know, the first one, Brad Evans coming in for Timmy Chandler, a much a much more sound, uh, p- positionally savvy defender uh, who really helped the U.S. kind of hold on there at the end as Honduras was putting on all that pressure. Um, against Haiti, uh, Giassi's artist changes the game, comes in for uh, Josie Altidore at halftime, opens things up, stretches Haiti out a bit, and helps set up Dempsey's goal. And then against uh, against Panama, uh, Yedlin came in for Morales and sort of performed the same function, spread things out a little bit. Um, and then when you had Bedoya on the other side, finally back on the field, uh, you know, taking guys on, opening things up, being there as an outlet for Michael Bradley. Uh, I think he's a really talented player. I think the U.S. is better with him on the field. So in each of those games, uh, Jurgen flipped a switch or made a change uh, that I think helped his team sort of close the game out. One thing I want to ask you about, Brian, that I found really interesting and maybe it's just my sense of the rhythm, but because of if you know if Klinsman had waited until the last game when the group was secure to make a bunch of changes, then you're looking at a week layoff for those guys who are supposedly starters, you know, the number one team between the second game of the group and then the the quarterfinal. Uh, did you get a sense that he after the first game that he was planning on? I mean, changing the entire back line for the second game and really, I guess, uh, trying something new before putting out. Um, I guess the first choice group again for the last game. I forgot to mention, by the way, obviously putting Dempsey on against Panama was also a good choice. Um, <laughs> uh, c- clearly, uh, clear- clearly, without Dempsey, the the U.S. Uh, may be on its way home. Uh, sure, obviously, the the team MVP so far. I, Livio, I think I think a big part of that, just from listening to him talk and and some of the guys talk, was just the compressed schedule and just uh, you know a, a game every three days. And and you know Michael Bradley, obviously, who's a you know, you know, a cyborg um, was able to <laughs> go all three games. But I think the other guys, especially considering the heat and the travel, he wanted to get a look at everybody and, and, and having only two days off in between uh, gave him an excuse to do that. So uh, th- that, that, that was my thinking on, on reshuffling the back line was just to give him a chance to get a look at different guys and, you know, avoided, you know, wasting or tiring out, you know, the guys he wanted to carry in through the, uh, through the group stage. I, I didn't look at it any more than that. Yeah, I I think Bedoya uh, personally is is a key guy to watch going forward. Um, now that he's he's back on the field, I, I thought he was uh, very good against Panama. Um, and I, you know, when you start looking at some combinations between him and Bradley and, and Dempsey uh, in that midfield, um, I I think that's kind of where the U.S. is is going to really 
he gives you a good balance. I mean, he, yeah. you know, guys like Zussi and Morales, they're okay with the ball, but they're not exactly the sort of players that are going to stretch a, a team out, especially a team that's, you know, playing with four defensive midfielders and, 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 you know, is, is playing low, you know, you're, 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 you got to find ways to stretch that team and force those defenders to make decisions. And, and I don't know that Morales or Zussi are those players. And then you've got guys like Yedlin and, and Zardes who, you know, are, are daring and gifted, um, but may not be the guy who, who you know, is an outlet who helps you move the ball, um, who helps you establish a bit of rhythm, who helps you sort of calm things down and change the pace. Um, Bedoya is somewhere in the middle of that. Bedoya can run at someone. You know, Bedoya's, you know, got a bit of athleticism, but he's also a guy you can defend. He's also a guy you can possess. And so I think he's a hybrid of those guys. And I think when he was on the field against Panama, you, you, it made a difference. I thought the U.S. had some of their best soccer of the tournament when he was there. Yeah, absolutely. It's been interesting. It's been interesting sort of dealing with CONCACAF uh, and, 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 and being involved in this tournament and, and covering this tournament while this is going on. And obviously we get a we, – you know, we're not up in the suites. Um, but, you know, but I'll give you an indication. Like in, in Frisco, uh, you know, we're there hours before the game, right? I mean you've just got to get there early and set up and, and, and you know, not, not risk traffic and crowds. And, you know, so you get there four, four hours before kickoff and what are you going to do? You're going to – walk around a bit, you know, get some work done, go in and out. And at one point, they wouldn't let me back up under the press box because they said the elevators were for CONCACAF VIPs only. <laughs> and I've never in my entire, like, even at the World Cup, like, they don't say, oh, you know, this SEP-only elevator, right? Like, it, it, the hubris was astonishing, you know, that we couldn't, that, that the press or the stadium employees uh, you know, people who worked for FC Dallas were like, yeah, like I don't have a CONCACAF blazer, so they're not letting me take the elevator. <laughs> and finally they fixed this. And after a while, someone went to them and said, you know, there's only one elevator, so you're going to have to let everyone with a credential use this. But that was their inclination at the time was that this is only for CONCACAF. I'm surprised there wasn't like a, you know, like a martini bar inside the elevator for them to use during the uh, during the 30 second ride. So, I mean, that's that's CONCACAF for you. And and uh you know that's the legacy of Jack Warner, I guess. So you got concacafed during the Gulf. I got I, well to, to a to a to a small extent, yes. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> uh, all right, let's touch on one of Concacaf's uh, best players, Giovanni dos Santos, who actually got hurt. Uh, it looked like and had to come out uh, against Trinidad and Tobago, but he is on his way to MLS uh, to the LA Galaxy, making that team, in my estimation, just the hands down favorite. To win it all again, when you look at the nucleus uh, of players that they have now, Robbie Keane, Steven Gerrard, Giassi Sardis, Alan Gordon, obviously, uh, Omar Gonzalez, I, you know, the list goes on. Um, I'm going to do what I can to get you that Alan Gordon interview this week, Avi. Oh, yes, please. If uh, Oh, yeah, no. First, first, time, first time I get the chance. I mean, I'm, I'm, we're not supposed to be excited or partisan, but who doesn't want to see Alan Gordon win a gold cup? Come on. I, I, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Fired up! Um, Brian, you've been watching MLS since its inception. Uh, the Dos Santos signing, where is this on, on the spectrum? Is this? I mean, this is a, a guy in his prime making big bucks. MLS shelled out a ton of money for him. He's obviously one of Mexico's brightest stars, if not its brightest star. You can, you know, Chicharito Vela, whatever. Uh, where does this rank up for you? Yeah, that's a really good question. I'm going to try to say this the right way. Um, MLS, cult, you know, soccer in this country and, 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 and MLS crosses a couple of really sort of unique 
interesting cultural, socio-ethnic, if that's even a word, bridges, right? I mean, you, you have you have people like me uh, and you who who grew up in in the suburbs, and we played youth soccer as 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 kids. And for some of us, it just clicked. It just was this. I love this sport, and and it's not something I. I'm something I'm going to stick with, you know, as I as I get older, and 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 then you have conversely, at least for a long time, a very distinct group of 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 Latinos, right? People who who's who who came from uh, Central Latin America, Central America, or whose parents came from Latin America and Central America, who grew up with the sport, who have it in their blood, and who brought their their passion for the sport here to the U.S. and and at least when I grew up you didn't, you know, these two groups didn't mix much and, and, and that's unfortunate, but kind of that's the way it did. So MLS now, you know, those groups are melding more and more and the country's becoming more and more, um, I don't know, integrated in, in that sense. But MLS still has these sort of constituent groups to kind of market to and cater to and try to bring to the stadium. And and they've always been better at bringing the former than the latter, right? They're, they're, they're still... Because maybe it's because they still, you know, appreciate and revere the clubs from their homelands or ancestral homelands or because they don't see as many players, you know, from there that match their heritage. And the, I mean, I remember when 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 D.C. United started out and they had Moreno and Echeverri and Rule Diaz Arce, it was massive for the Latin community here in Washington because there are huge numbers of Salvadorans and Bolivians in this area. And for them to go to the stadium and, and watch players that they felt a personal connection to play uh really made dc united what it was and i remember ray hudson when he took over as the coach saying we need to go out and sign a salvadoran we need to we need to feed the passion of these people and and bring these people someone that they really want to cheer for and so you know they tried mexico tried blanco uh they tried luis hernandez uh you know they've they've tried some big name mexican players but these were guys who were perhaps a bit older and 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 Perhaps this was a community still a bit skeptical of MLS or was still with, like I said, ties to, to, to the clubs they grew up rooting for, the clubs their parents grew up rooting for. And so this is a market that MLS is still searching for, still searching for legitimacy with. And that's a gross generalization, but I'm sure in a lot of cities there's some truth to it. And so this is big. This is another opportunity uh, for, for MLS and the LA Galaxy, who have always been good with the latter group, right? Landon Donovan, David Beckham, Robbie Keane. You know, they, they haven't really seized and taken the imagination of a good chunk of the Latino fan base. That's what Chivas USA was all about. Chivas USA was designed to connect with that fan base. And, of course, it failed spectacularly. Uh, and now Gio Dos Santos is another effort. So a long-winded kind of explanation of why I find this so fascinating. And, you know, when you look at the history of MLS, you know, perhaps what's at stake here in terms of tapping into a market of really, really passionate soccer fans who uh, MLS would like to build a connection uh, between them and their clubs. And on, on the field, Dos Santos, uh, presuming he is healthy, uh, is an incredible talent. And, and he's a guy, he's 26. He's, he's right in the, in the heart of, of the prime of his career. Uh, you look at the CONCACAF Champions League, too. I mean, this sends a, a message to Mexican teams. Like, this is, this is one of Mexico's brightest stars playing for an MLS team. And... And if we we get down to a, a Galaxy Tigres final, I mean that that could be the the best potential matchup uh, of teams in these two leagues ever. And obviously that's that's way down the line and getting ahead of ourselves. But I think it's a it's a real statement. Um, and you know, say whatever you want about how 
the rules were were bent in this and that. I mean, every team in the league has the opportunity to do what what the Galaxy did. They all don't have AEG's money, um, but you know, some of them some of them do, and they still choose not to do it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I have no yeah no, I have no problem with no problem at all with MLS allowing clubs to spend more money. None, and and. The Galaxy choose to do it, and, and they have – in a coach, they have Bruce Arena who – you know, the, I haven't seen many sort of people wringing their hands over, you know, oh, God, how does, how does Dos Santos fit in with the Galaxy? Where will he play? You know, can, can Dos Santos and Gerard coexist in the same – you know, you'll, you have this Gerard Lampard conversation all over again. Um, <laughs> we all I – think, I think at this point everybody thinks Bruce knows what he's doing and we'll, we'll get this right. And, and we've seen this over and over again where – Bruce tinkers and, 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 and bides his time and, and lets his team work through some kinks. And by September, they're flying and they're unbeatable. And we're all in Carson for another MLS Cup. It happens every year. It's kind of funny that you mentioned uh, that MLS seems to kind of uh, allow this, this sort of thing to happen. I got a very angry text message from my brother last night, who's a big Real Salt Lake fan, uh, lives in Utah, and he goes, Hey, newsflash, MLS is rigged to modify, you know, they modify the rules to suit the galaxy. And I'm sitting here going, you know, RSL has its own style. I mean, we saw under Jason Christ, especially kind of the way that they like to go about things. And they want an MLS Cup doing it that way. You know, if this is the way the galaxy is going to do it, then, you know. Deloy Hansen is very, very rich. Deloy Hansen could have afforded Gio Dos Santos if he'd wanted Gio Dos Santos. Absolutely. I agree. And, you know, Avi, you mentioned Tigres, and I find that kind of interesting just because they, they really stocked up for this uh, Libertadores run especially, right? They brought in Gignac from Marseille, huge, huge signing. Uh, brought back a guy like Javier Aquino from, from Villarreal and brought Uche over from Villarreal as well. Uh, Jurgen Dam from Pachuca. Um, you know, it's just kind of an interesting, uh, an interesting parallel. And I think if they do end up meeting in the CONCACAF Champions League final, that would be, I mean, like you say, what a story, right? I mean, you got two two teams that have really... Uh, I guess stocked up. They've really been been trying to do this for a while, and man, just imagine a frontline pairing of Robbie Keane and Giovanni Dos Santos. I'm just, oh man. Have, have the Galaxy? Forgive me. Have have the Galaxy sort of been upfront publicly about their desire to win the CCL and their desire to make their mark in the CCL and to use the CCL as an avenue to grow their club and, and the league. Have, have they been as vocal about that as, say, Seattle and, and RSL and a couple other clubs have been? I don't. I don't think so. I don't um, feel like they have been, and that's not a criticism or a bad thing. I mean, you, you got to walk the walk, not talk the talk. But I mean, I, I I still think about the, you know, I think it was Beckham's last season um, when when uh, LA was was awesome, right? L, I mean, Keane and Donovan and Beckham were all humming. And then they went and laid an egg to Toronto in the in the CCL quarterfinals, and it was just like they didn't care, you know. And and here was a great opportunity for a, an MLS club to finally break through, and they just kind of went through the motions and lost to TFC. And and um, so and and not that that's indicative of a club philosophy. Things happen. You know, let's look at the Gold Cup. But uh, you know, I, I wonder if that's part of their master plan that they really think it's critical uh, to win this competition, both for competitive reasons and and for marketing reasons or if signing Gio Dos Santos is more about a you know winning MLS cups and b uh you know tapping into you know what I so uneloquently described as sort of that that second half of a of a potential MLS fan base that hasn't been uh reached as 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 successfully as others. Well it's also too about kind of just extending the the legacy and the dynasty. I mean, you know, Robbie Keane is he's not Past it by by any stretch, but he's not getting younger. And now you bring in a guy 
Uh, at 26, I believe the LA Times reported he's on a four-and-a-half-year deal, if that's that's the case or not. I mean, that, that takes him through his prime, and that, that brings you to the next the next era, right, the next generation. And between great him yep. and, and Zardes and Gonzalez and Delacour, I, they've, they've got a, a young nucleus to pair with, with the older guys like uh, like Jared and, and Keane. So it's well, fascinating what they're, what they're doing, and it's... it's Zardes, I live you, I mean, Zardes, you got to think Zardes is going to be the next guy that, that some European clubs start start going after, right? He's, he's, um, he's got those kind of... Jump. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's tough to say. I, I look at Zardes a, a lot of the way I look at a guy like DeAndre Yedlin, who is really fast, and he, he's got a fair amount of potential... But at the same time, I just don't. I mean, we look at Yedlin, who's is kind of struggling to get minutes at Tottenham right now. I, I think it would be kind of a similar situation. Not to say that he won't get the chance, but I think if Zardes does go over there, I, I just have a feeling it would be a similar situation with him. They have a lot of the same quality. Zardes, Zardes. Well, first of all, I just said get attention, and Yedlin certainly did. He had well, there you go. Yeah, get attention for after. sure. And and Zardes is. I mean, you know, Zardes may not be the athlete Yedlin is, but he's not far off and. He's far better in the offensive third than Yedlin is. So, you know, I mean, maybe maybe it's not a, a, a top five Premier League team that, that goes after. I'm just saying that I imagine that at some point over the next year or so, you know, Bruce Arena and Chris, Chris Klein are going to be fielding some calls if, if they haven't already. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and the one thing you do say, and, and I agree that, you know, the fact that Zardes is a, an out, you know, a winger slash forward, I think if Yedlin had had uh, been playing on the wing instead of in the back, I think his chances would be better because as as we've seen, I think, with under Klinsman, I, I really do think that Yedlin's best position is on the wing, and I just I just don't find him to be uh, good enough in, in individual defensive situations uh, to be a right back. I was at Manchester United's press conference yesterday, and Louis van Hall was talking about why he brought in uh, Matteo Darmian uh, you know, as opposed to Raphael, and the first thing he says is, you know, m- my right back has to know how to defend, which is a a slap in the face to Raphael. But b, I mean, you know, if you're a defender, you got to be able to defend first. And I think we heard um, Ali Krieger and Megan Klingenberg say similar things during the U.S. Women's World Cup run. Like, if I'm a if I'm a fullback, I have to defend first and attack second. And I think that you know, if if a manager were to like Klinsman has. To, to put Yedlin on the wing and really just say, hey, this is where you play now. You can go forward. You know, don't worry quite as much about getting back because we have you know two defensive midfielders or whatever, um, and you can get back. You know, uh, when you get back, then I think it would it would help a little bit more. It kind of you know takes the takes the reins off a little bit as well and just let them run at people. I, I think that would that would really help a lot. All right, I don't. I'm not really quite sure how we got from Gio Dos Santos to DeAndre Yedlin, but let's let's uh, let's bring it back a little bit. Dos Santos uh, will not be part of the MLS All Star Game, as far as we know. Uh, but two players who have yet to play a second of MLS League action will, and that's Frank Lampard, Steven Gerrard. Uh, pretty controversial decision by Don Garber to make those his commissioner's picks. I thought uh, a lot of consternation among fans, among MLS players. Uh, according to Taylor Twelman of ESPN, MLS uh, is going to add two more all-star bonuses to give out. So it's not as if these two spots on the team have have taken away bonuses from, from hardworking players in the league who might deserve it on merit as opposed to reputation. Brian, I know we talked about this uh, a lot off-air, uh, and I think we differ a little bit on it, but what was your take on the appointment? Um. I was mostly amused just by how worked up people got over 
you know, two of 22 players that are going to play in a, in an exhibition game. Um, people really got fired up and, uh, and if they got fired up because they, they, uh, were concerned about, you know, two, you know, you know, what, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, two, 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 uh, more run of the mill, not run of the mill cause they'd be all stars, but you know, two proven MLS guys who perhaps deserved an all-star nod and, and perhaps more importantly, an all-star bonus. If they were nervous about those two guys getting shoved to the side by Gerard and Lampard, who certainly don't need the money. Uh, well, MLS has done the right thing and, and made sure that that's not going to happen. Otherwise this is a, I, you know, people act as if there's some sort of criteria in the bill of rights for who should be in an all-star game. And, and, and there isn't, and it almost, it really doesn't matter in the first place, but, but even if it does, you know, you, this is a select, an MLS select team. This is a group of MLS players that are going to play against a foreign club team once a year. And if you are the league or the coach of that team or a player on that team and someone offers you the opportunity to coach or play alongside the likes of Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard in that game, you say yes. You say yes every single time. And so they will be a part of that team. They will represent MLS. They are MLS players, whether they've played 10 years or, or, or no years. Um, and it's, an, it's, a, it's for fun. It's a game for fun. And it'll be fun to see uh, Gerard and Lampard, if they play, out on the field uh, with some of the other big names in MLS. I have absolutely no problem with it, especially now uh, that they're not taking money out of the pockets of, uh, of, of guys who may deserve it and may make far less. For sure. No and, and that, that I think, is, is a big component of it. But... Frank Lampard took MLS's name through the mud with this entire year-long fiasco, City Football Group. Does this not enable everything that they did? And it just to me, it it's rewarding a guy for what he's done in the Premier League. It's I understand MLS has business considerations overseas, and and hold on, and if hold on, hey, 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 hold up, and if. Look, MLS wants people in England to watch this, right? They're playing against Tottenham. They're, Lampard and Jared are going to get a lot more headlines in the Daily Mail and the Telegraph and Independent and everywhere else than, say, Perry Kitchen and Kyle Beckerman. Like, that, that is a given. That said, it kind of also undermines the whole process of, of what it means to, to be an all-star. And I, I guess this is where we differ a little bit. You know, when we look back at, at players' careers, we, we use all-star games and and appearances as as one of the ways as we kind of define them right Landon Donovan 15-time all-star whatever it was uh what in God's name have Gerard and Lampard done to become one-time MLS all-stars before that's they a, play a single that's minute another, but that's a relic of of that's a baseball relic that that, that comes from the same oh, basketball as, as naming anywhere, the anywhere. you know listing the home team second that that that's baseball you know and 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 all-star games over the past 15, 20 years in all sports in this country have evolved far beyond what they were 40, 50 years ago when they were a, a, a true testament to a player's performance that season. In most other leagues, the dunk contest is bigger or, or, or they have some kind of contrived competitive element like they do in baseball, which I think is crazy where the winning, the winning all-star team gets to host uh, that, that league's champion. Oh, I agree with the you on that. The yeah. World Series. In hockey and football, they're all wearing neon orange and having Michael Irvin pick the team on an ESPN special two days before the game. They've all devolved into circuses. And so 
you know, if you're not you personally, but someone who uses all star game appearances when we know players back out because of injury or because we know fan voting is often crazy or all the other reasons that all star games aren't technically representative of the performances of that year. Don't use all star game appearances to judge a player. That's my answer. Don't do it. And, and, and instead, instead of attaching extra meaning to this stuff. Just have fun. I like the MLS All-Star Game. I think it's one night out of the year where we can see something we don't otherwise get to see. We get to see uh, a really interesting combination of players in, in an interesting environment where some of these guys really want to win and the game gets a little bit chippy and a lot of these games have been close and competitive and there have been some some fun moments and some good goals and some spurned handshakes. And, and uh, let's just have fun for 90 minutes once a year with this. And quite frankly, with all due respect to Perry Kitchen and Kyle Beckerman, who I who I cover and and enjoy watching play and think highly of, it's also going to be fun to see Lampard and Gerrard on the field. It's going to be fun, and that's all this is about. But they can't play together in the same midfield. We've seen this. Pablo Mastroeni is going to be the guy to <laughs> soccer's greatest riddle. The, the mustache will will have the key to solving this conundrum. Of of however long it's been, fifteen years. I, I have full faith in Pablo. Will I, Lampard I would be will, Lampard would be the first player to score against and for the MLS All Star team if he scores too, right? See, now Chelsea? you have that wonderful trivia question. Okay, all right, all right. Maybe I romanticize things a little too much, but I uh, no, no. I'm just saying romanticize it in a different way. I mean, it's 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 going to be. I look forward to watching this game, and it's going to be fun. And and I don't need to attach extra meaning to it in order in order for it to be an enjoyable two hours. And that's all That's all the All-Star game should be. And I think MLS has the best All-Star format in sports. I love watching a group of MLS players try to work together to, to, to play against uh, unfamiliar players. I mean, intramural games are so boring. It's the same guys we see every week. This is something different. This is something we only get to see once a year. And it's not hurting anybody, you know? And, and it's not, it's, uh, if, you don't, if you're not into it, don't watch it. But I, I enjoy them and uh, and think this one will be especially intriguing because of some of the names MLS has added. And you know what? If Pablo Mastroeni decides to shoehorn Dos Santos and Pirlo on the team too, fine by me. <laughs> Interesting. Fair yeah, enough. No problem with it. Uh, you look at a lot of the uh, moaning was about guys like Sebastian Javinko being left off the team. That's on the fans, okay? Like Kai Kamara not being voted in, Ethan Finley both leading the league in uh, goals and assists, respectively. And voting, yeah, yeah, and that's that's, that's on the crazy. fans. Don't don't take they that out on. They vote on for MLS. their favorite players and they vote for their hometown players. And and this is the thing: is is there going to be twenty two guys uh, in uniform uh, that night at in Commerce City? We know the names of of thirteen of those twenty two. Some of them may not go for other reasons. Sebastian Javinko will play in the All Star Game. Kai Kamara will play in the All Star Game. All of these guys will be in the All Star Game, and and. People just need to not worry that much about it. And for bonus purposes, they always name a list of, what is it, 30 total or something like that, so that there's guys even it's who 30, don't go. It's 32, it's 32 and there you go, 32. It sounds like it'll be 34, right. There you go. So, I mean, that that was really my, my beef with this, I guess, was that, um, like you say, Lampard and Gerard, I mean, they'll, they'll be taking – um, you know, bonuses away from the guys who, in some cases, those bonuses would be a pretty big deal if you're on a small contract. Like, imagine a guy who's making not very much, and, and suddenly he gets an all-star bonus, and uh, who knows, maybe now he can go and buy a new car or whatever. I mean, uh, put a down payment on a house. There's there's just a lot of, I, I think, 
that was really the aspect that got me was was taking the reward away from those kinds of guys. But now that whether it's because of the uproar or whether it was planned originally, who knows? But uh, either way, that aspect of it has now been taken care of. So um, I mean, like Brian says, it's just a big party. Uh, honestly, I think I think of the All Star Game and and the week of the All Star Game in general is just a big party. Having been there um, last year in Portland. Um, you know, it's just a lot of fun events. A lot of people come together uh, from the league at the same time. As reporters, we get to talk to a lot of people in the same place, you know, at, at the same time. It's always nice to, it's kind of like the draft, right? You get everybody in, in the same kind of spot and you get to talk to some people and hopefully get some some interesting interviews out of it. You know, hopefully see something on the field that, that I mean, who would have thought we'd see Landon Donovan score the, the winning goal against Bayern Munich and, and Pep Guardiola refused to shake Caleb Porter's hand and, and all that stuff that came out of last year that you're much, ultimately... you're much more likely you're much more likely to have a moment like that in, in an all-star game where some of the players on the field care about showing well and want to win. Yeah. You know, then you well, are ultimately in, that in the, stuff doesn't your, mean anything. But... All-star games that are just that are just walkthroughs and jokes for everybody. Yeah. So and ultimately, those moments don't mean anything, but they're fun to watch. They're fun. And they're fun at the yeah. time. That's all it is. It's fun at the time. Yep. Yep. I, there you go. I agree. Man, we just got fired up about the MLS All-Star game, guys. Yeah, I like got, that. They've got us. They've got us. They've got us hooked. It's I terrible. like that. It's, we got we got incepted. They did it. Nice job, MLS. <laughs> Um, I want to close. Uh, thanks, guys, for that, by the way. That was, that was a great discussion. Uh, it's Carly Lloyd's birthday today, number 33. She's a Women's World Cup hero, obviously the hat trick in the final. Uh, if you have not checked out the 25 covers that we put out this week uh, on Sports Illustrated, definitely urge you to do so. One of the coolest things uh, that we've done here. Fortunately, it all came together in a, in a pretty cosmic way, but with the parade happening in, in New York and the team in one place uh, together, one final time, we're able to pull this off. Really cool shoot. Uh, individual covers for every player. Uh, a team shot, one for Jill Ellis as well. Uh, very cool tribute to a, a team that actually won the SB, I believe, uh, last night for best team. Um, well, that's, that's the biggest honor of all, isn't it? No, I, I'm going to say the World Cup trophy is probably the... Oh, okay. All right. These <laughs> are so dumb. <laughs> wow. <laughs> make some enemies today. Uh, anyway, uh, so check out those covers. You could definitely um, buy them online. If you go to Planet Football, there, there are ways to, to do that and, and keep them as collector's items or just peruse them in our gallery online because they're really cool to look at. Uh, so Look at the outtakes on Instagram. Oh, those are fun. Yeah, Megan Rapino uh, won that photo shoot by far, uh, with just bouncing the trophy on her head. That shot was was amazing. We actually have a story online as well uh, for why that didn't end up being the cover. I think everyone here wanted that to be her cover, but just uh, spatial wise and and for other other considerations, it, it didn't make it. Um, it shows you how how much this thing resonated with people because normally in in our world, you know, if if you know we couldn't. You know, we couldn't put the the final, the the the, the story, the news on the cover because that was the dark week after the where are they now issue. Um, but the fact that this thing was so big and captured so many people that we could then go, you know, a week later and 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 put this on the cover and people would still be excited about it and talking about it just shows the power of uh, of what this team and this event meant for people. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I think ultimately that. That's the biggest point, and uh, and we're we're happy that we're able to to do it some justice um, with our magazine cover. So uh, that's that's my final point, uh, and I think that's that's a good place for us to wrap. So thank you, Brian Strauss, Livy Bird, uh, 
Grant Wall again. Hope you're enjoying vacation. We'll talk to you next week. So uh, Gerard and Lampard on the cover next week, right? Or, or is that All-Star Week? <laughs> That's each, each their own cover. MLS's, MLS's greatest players should be the head, and then we have a picture of Gerard and Lampard. Deserving All-Stars? Question mark. <laughs> um, <laughs> MLS icons. How about that? <laughs> uh, don't, don't spoil it, man. Come on. Uh, so once again, for Brian Strauss, for Livy Bird, I'm Avi Creditor. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. about the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network. Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.